This podcast is brought to you by Learn Prime. Start your journey to becoming a great developer at learn.thoughtbot.com. Hey everyone, this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Gordon in Boston. And this is Buildface. It's not a man in a sailor hat. It's Bill, Bill fucking Murray. But Bill Murray was wearing a sailor's hat. Yes, he was. So where was I wrong? But he's not just a man. It's <laughs> Bill Murray. My mistake. Have you not seen Coffee and Cigarettes? No. You should see Coffee and Cigarettes. Jim Jarmusch. Um, I think you're making names up. <laughs> I'm not. Jim Jarmusch. That sounds like something I'd make up under duress. Jar- Jarmusch. Jarmusch. He did uh, Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai. Great fucking movie. <laughs> Are these I'm things? not making this up. Forrest Whitaker is in it. He's dead now, isn't he? Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker is dead? No. No. No, no, no. Uh, wow, I just, I just confused him with uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Michael Clark Duncan is dead. Is he? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> Mike's nodding his head yes. Sorry, for, sorry Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> No, but Jim Jarmusch did this movie called Coffee and Cigarettes where he just has like two to three random people sit down and it's like these little vignettes and they drink coffee and smoke cigarettes. And it's awesome. It's like Tom Waits and Tom Waits is in it. and like, But so Bill Murray's in it with the Rizza and the Jizza <laughs> and they're in a tea shop <laughs> smoking weed and drinking tea. <laughs> And then and then Bill Murray comes up, and he's just playing Bill Murray. It's not like he's playing a character, but he's like in... Oh, he's not wearing a sailor hat. That's right. He's a cook for some reason. But he's just Bill Murray as a cook, drinking coffee out of a coffee pot and smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and they just call him Bill Murray all the time. So it's risen. It's like, what's up, Bill Murray? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> This is good. It's gonna, it's gonna be a good day. Anyway, it turns out you can't use emoji for macros for defined statements. Huge bummer. Method names, yes, but can not. You? Yeah, you can use emoji. So, like fire for delete. <laughs> Just refactor a crappy method with with the the smiling pile of poo emoji. Yeah. How do you namespace poop? <laughs> I don't know. You could just use it as your prefix, actually. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Looking at my open tabs, and I've got like a ranking of every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> A post on breaking down the wine in Game of Thrones and like how they're growing grapes in a world that has no seasons. I have. <laughs> <laughs> let's go with that. Let's, let's explore this. I have two tabs for uh, m- stretching and mobility. Uh, in 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 what regard? Uh, just stretching like, and like mobility. taffy like. Nope, nope. Uh, like hip mobility for like squats. Oh, you're talking about your actual hips. Act- actual hips. Not like some newfangled 
hot yoga or something. It's it's super hip. Hip hip mobility could be the name of like a, a cell phone company that just sells burners. Let's go back to Game of Thrones. <laughs> we can't really talk about Game of Thrones. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about Game of Thrones. So, <laughs> d- does this not take place on the Earth? I was assuming. Not, have you not seen Game of Thrones or read Game of Thrones? I know nothing, nothing? about Game of Thrones. I'm completely really? ignorant. Yes. Wow. No, I mean it's a totally different world. Are we talking like same, same time period, same universe? Where do things diverge? You really know nothing about Game of Thrones. This is amazing. Uh, no, no, no. I, I understand <laughs> what you're about to say about the time period. But it's like, you know how Star Wars was in the future, but it was like really in the past? You know yeah, what I'm saying? I don't think it, yeah, I don't think it has any connection to our world at all. No, no seasons. That means no tilt. Their, planet got, their planet's got no tilt. That's why they don't have seasons. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That makes sense. That's how seasons work. Don't make that look at Mike. I see it. <laughs> how can, do what? <laughs> I saw what that. What did I do? You gave, well, you gave him a look when I was talking about space. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. See, that seems crazy. Is everyone in Boston a solipsist? I don't know what that word is, so No. <laughs> I'm gonna go with no. That's where. That's Wait, where can I guess what it is? Yes. Is it related to an ellipsis? No. Is it a mythical creature? <laughs> no. No. Is it a is it a is it a speech impediment? No. 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 It's it's is where it a sexually <laughs> transmitted disease. Whoa! 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 No. Okay, I'm just gonna tell you now. <laughs> so it's where you believe that only you are real. And everything else around you is a figment of your imagination. Ah. That was close. Really? With which part? <laughs> Ellipsis or STD? <laughs> oh, man. All right. All right. Let's just get into it. Yeah, I think we have enough banter. <laughs> yeah. We can... <laughs> it's a wacky day. Oh, man. So I thought we could circle back and focus on an entire class for an episode today. And uh, I've been working a lot with UI page view controller this week, which was a class that was added in iOS 5.0 and then became more useful in 6.0 and is super duper handy for building photo galleries, apparently. Cool. Have you ever built a a paging scroll view? Uh, no. I've built like 30 of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like I write them and I always seem to never want to go back and use it again because I want to try to rewrite it. Yeah. Not this time. No? No. I'm. Yeah. Having each page of something like that be its own view controller is really, really handy because you get to take advantage of all the normal view lifecycle methods. The hardest thing when I was building paging scroll views was doing some kind of eager loading system. Like if you're loading up images where you scroll to a page and we want to optimistically load the next page of content, which is a little difficult. The easy way is to just load everything or to just load it as it comes in and stops, like on screen. But uh, that gets much more easy to do with uh, UI Page View Controller. So UI Page View Controller just manages three views, I think. It uses some internal scroll view called a UI UI queuing scroll view. And it just manages three pages. It asks you for your view controllers via data source, and it pops your views right into those views and shuffles them about. And so as you're about to pan 
and bring a view controller on, your sent view will appear. Uh, after it comes to a rest in the new position, you get view did appear. And it's really easy to kick off image downloads and do any other kind of work you need to do. Did this come after UI view controller containment stuff? Is that like... At, at the same time. Same time? 5.0. Yeah. And the thing is with 5.0... UI page view controller, I believe, only had the um, like the page turning mode. It was like iBooks. So it would have that gesture where you could move a page and go back and forth. And it wasn't meant for subclassing. In 6.0, it got a new uh, interaction type, which is the scrolling type, which works like the springboard or any other paging scroll view. And you can now subclass it. And I think that's useful because... Before you could subclass it, you typically would end up putting this inside of a container to have some other view controller be the data source and provide view controllers to the page view controller. But I found that I was ending up with a bunch of, doing a bunch of work to just satisfy the page view controller when it felt like it should be wrapped up inside of it. I still, however, recommend using a separate object for your data source, which I'm not usually so good about with table views, but it felt more necessary with UI page view controller because I'm working with view controllers. Like when we talked about table views and table view controllers, we were talking about that some of this stuff is like ends up being coupled. You know what I mean? Unintentionally, like just because of the way some of the delegate and data source methods are, it's hard to abstract that stuff. Do you have the same problems here or not as much? The the data source and delegate for UI page view controller are a lot simpler. For the data source, I think the only two required methods are page view controller, view controller before view controller, and then there's an after variant of that. So that's really simple. You just, all you really do is just load up a data source with something and then have it start vending view controllers. It's really helpful to have these view controllers that you're putting into it, uh, some property on them to know about a page index. That seemed really straightforward instead of managing that like at the parent level. It felt acceptable to have them know what their index is in the page view controller, and that's really helpful. There's some optional methods for if you implement presentation count for page view controller and presentation index for page view controller, uh, it will automatically show a UI page control just by implementing those two methods. I actually modified mine to take my own page controller, my own page control, because I want to use it in a different view, but have it still driven by the page view controller. There's just kind of a uh, complex hierarchy that's required for to match the design here. So the delegate is more, it, it's almost like a layer built right on top of the pan gesture that's driving the whole controller. So you get like will transition to view controllers, did finish animating, previous view controllers, transition completed. Um, if you're using the, the type I was talking about that was only available on 5.0 for paging like a book, there's page view controller spine location for interface orientation. And that lets you do like single page or double page, exactly like iBooks. So is that like fold on the left side, the right side, or in the middle? Exactly. And interestingly, UI page view controller's delegate has two more methods that allow you to override its view rotation settings. No other container has something like this, where it will call you to find out what its supported interface orientations and its preferred interface orientation for presentation is. Oh, and these were just added in 7.0. Maybe the idea is that we shouldn't be subclassing UH page view controller, but it says that it can be. And instead just use this delegate? 
It makes a lot more sense. I wish navigation controller had something like this. Typing, typing. I figure if I just say typing, it'll cover up the sound of me actually <laughs> typing. Right. You're just trying to help our listeners get context. Right. I just care for them so much. Right. Oh, holy crap. UI Navigation Controller does have these methods now. So that solves the problem of having to subclass something like UI Navigation Controller, which the docs explicitly say that you should not do. Oh, I see. So these return return the orient... You just tell it what orientation it should be displayed at. Right. Preferred interface orientation for presentation. So that one is like, for instance... Um, in, the, in the photo viewer, we support all interface orientations. And if you're in landscape and you tap on, say, the, the person's name who took this photo, we take you over to their like profile view controller, but that is only available in portrait. So, for instance, in that uh, navigation controller, if, if we're transitioning to portrait, I would implement this and return UI interface orientation portrait. And that would make sure that even though I'm in landscape, the view controller will kind of come in from the left or right side, depending on which way it's turned. And it, it will never even attempt to rotate into that orientation. Wait, so where do you set the spine location? Oh, uh, you have to set it at initialization. Right. So the nav or the transition style would be page curl. And then you pass it as an as an options dictionary, right? You even get that inner page spacing. And with just a couple classes, all under 200 lines of code, I have something that basically works exactly like photos. The most difficult part that you still have to kind of roll on your own is having each page of that page view controller have a scroll view and have an image view inside of it that you can uh, zoom on the image and move it around. And it even does the thing where you can zoom in, you can pan the image around to see the whole thing, and once you get to an edge, if you if you swipe hard enough, you can actually go to the next page, even though you're zoomed in. It's really great. You get all that for free. But uh, trying to handle the scroll view and the image view with auto layout was interesting. I wasted maybe two hours trying to get that to work with constraints, and I couldn't get it working in just interface builder constraints because I think I had to set constraints between the image view and the page view controller's view, right? I mean, this page, this view controller taking up this page, its view. I, I needed a constraint between those two, and that was the image view's um, super, super view. And Interface Builder will not let you make constraints two levels up, as far as I can tell. Because, like, the visual f pipe in the visual format language is just the super view. Right, so so what would happen if, I mean, first I just started with the suggested constraints, as I've been doing since I, I'm trying to learn auto layout. And you go in and you try to zoom, and it, it kind of grows a bit and then shrinks, and it just stutters in place as you're trying. Because I, I think the scroll view's constraints were just keeping the image view locked to a certain size. It's, it's really unclear how, how constraints work with a scroll view, because there's the view itself, and then it's sort of like content view area. And its bounds are not always um, at a zero zero origin. I'm, I probably could have done it in code, but I don't feel comfortable enough doing that yet. So I eventually just turned off auto layout for that view controller and went back to auto resizing masks. Have you been using auto layout more and more? Yeah, I'm starting to. 
I'm still trying to wrap my head around some things like what you were just talking about, but yeah, I mean, there's been a number of times where I've been like, oh, I, I you know, doing frame math, and I'm just like, oh, this is one line of auto layout versus a method of frame math. The thing I struggle with is if you have a view that it's ba- that is basically the same frame as its super view, visually dragging those constraints out is very difficult. It's it's difficult to to actually hit the target view you want to hit. So let's say you have a view, you have an image view at the back that takes up the full frame, and then you have more things in the view, buttons, labels, and you want to drag connections right there in the storyboard between like a button and its its view. You can't possibly do it without resizing the image view to leave a little gap to shine through to the view. I guess you could also use the navigator. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. You could just click and drag in the navigator and then yeah, do like click and drag there and then edit you could edit still just like edit the constraint manually if you needed to tweak it. Like one <clears throat> last time I was messing around with auto layout, I kept having ending up with like set up the constraint or I'd like use the add missing constraints command. Which works awesome, but like maybe my frame wasn't actually laid out the way I thought it was laid out. So it had like a, you know, negative six constraint somewhere. You know what I mean? And so just going in and editing those manually and zeroing them out where I needed to zero them out. Can you never have a negative constraint? No, you can. You can do negative. Yeah, that's it, that wasn't the problem. The problem was that I didn't actually want a negative constraint. I had like dragged a view in and uh, resized it. And accidentally resized it so it was too big. So like the bottom, the bottom edge of the view was extending past the bottom edge of the super view. So when I s- said add missing constraints, it was like cool, no problem. That should be a negative six. The bottom bottom margin should be negative six, basically. I was like, no, that's not what I wanted. Have you ever found that add missing constraints or reset to suggested constraints will still end up in ambiguous constraints that will crash? at runtime because that kept happening to me I'd, I'd make a huge mess of my constraints just dragging them around like crazy and then i would try to reset it and see if interface builder could figure out kind of what i want by how things are laid out right now and even doing that i would run it and it would say oh there's something wrong here why why does interface builder let me make ambiguous constraints i thought that was not supposed to happen i'm not sure i wonder if it's just the like the complexity of the view i was trying to set up wasn't that bad. I mean, it was just, we were simulating a toolbar with a few buttons at the bottom, a label, a couple labels above it, scroll view, image view. Not terribly complicated. So what else did you hit in this um, page view controller stuff that you liked? Like, was there any pattern that you started using inside this implementation that worked really well? Or was it just kind of generic? I was really focused on extracting things like we had talked about with table view controllers and you know making its own data source or making it an ns object subclass instead of trying to do it in my page view controller subclass or my container view controller that kept things really neat i have a question for you i ended up with a fair amount of code in this photos view controller that was managing likes so there's a button at the bottom to like a photo it 
it marks it as liked immediately and kicks off the network request. If it fails, we revert that. And we're also incrementing a label at the same time. And so I ended up with a lot of code just kind of managing this, like the view state inside the view controller. And I was wondering, what do you typically do in that case? Because everything else was nicely factored, except there's just this four or five methods that were just for managing this stupid like button. Yeah, are, are the, um, I got that, the gist you posted. I did pull the, I mean, the interactions with the API into a like controller with a delegate that called back to say, basically, we've liked this photo or we've removed the like from this photo. And those will get called when you set it or unset it or if it's set or unset for you because of a network failure. Would you pull the toolbar into its own view? Would you have a controller just for those buttons? Yeah, I was actually just thinking that. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it kind of seems like that would be, like, if you pulled it out into its own view, or its own view controller even, and just use view controller containment, it does. It would be more reusable, right? Like, you wouldn't necessarily have to just like if if you had to move this liking thing. So let's look at like Facebook, right? Facebook started off with just liking photos. I don't know. Let's pretend that they just started off liking photos, right? And so you build the liking functionality into your photos view controller. But then all of a sudden, Mark Zuckerberg's like, oh, I want to be able to like everything. If you already had that abstracted out into like its own thing, then you would just say like, okay, that's cool. I'll just add this like controller to different things and just instantiate it with different objects. It almost seems like you could have a, a, a controller that just handles that and you instantiate it with whatever object you want to like. Okay. And then, so so that object would have to probably conform to some kind of like likable protocol. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, where it would pass, you know, probably like an API endpoint, like a specific API endpoint. Well, I ran in, into kind of that situation. I, I had built the photos view controller and then I get to a point where I realize, you know, this this paging image functionality could be used elsewhere. Or and I and I really do need this elsewhere. And so that's originally I had everything in this photos view controller and I realized that I should move some of that into a page view controller subclass. So then at least I can pull that part out and use it elsewhere. But when combined in this photos view controller, now you get the toolbar, you get the photographer's name, you get the image caption. So once I had finished that refactor, I felt really good about it. It was just the likes bit that was still hanging out. So if I were to have a controller, would you, is it weird to initialize it with that button? To initialize a controller with a view and say, here's this thing that needs to be selected if it's liked, unselected if it's not. I don't think so. There's just an uncomfortable amount of hoop jumping in that in that really clean controller. Yeah, well, yeah, why don't... I mean, it, it kind of seems like you could create a, just an NS object subclass, like a like controller, that takes a, an action button, basically. Like, it could be anything. And an object to like. So you pass... You instantiate the thing with the button that triggers the like and the... Um, object and the photo, basically. And then inside the light controller, it would set itself up. You could even have it so that it just takes any UI control. 
and then inside the light controller, it could listen for select, you know, touch up inside or something on that UI control, so that you don't even need. It's not even like it's a delegate. Like you wouldn't even. You could still do other stuff with that button, but that clicking that button would also trigger. Oh, okay, so all of that functionality is self-consistent inside the controller, but you could still call out to someone else to say, hey, I tap this button if you want to do something else in response. Like, it, like in my case, I have to increment this label immediately. So it you know, it says zero likes, you tap it, it goes to one like. Yeah, but the, the actual... So like that's separating out the concept of controlling the view versus con- the actual functionality of the view, right? So like the functionality of the view is that when I click this... I need, you know, this API thing to happen and I need all this other crap to happen. That's functionality, but from a view standpoint, all that needs to happen is you need to set the thing to selected and you need to increment a label. Yeah, I like the idea of it taking UI control because it knows about the highlighted state, the selected state, and it can just, yeah. Yeah. That seems like a good idea. I might do that right as soon as this episode's over. (laughs) Go fix that up. Yeah, shipping a new beta today. Yeah today beta three nice feels good yeah it's finally getting to the point where it's really solid and i feel comfortable showing it to people and i'm confident that it's not gonna blow up during my demo that's the greatest way to find bugs by the way demo it for people demo it to non-technical people Mm -hmm. yeah right i mean uh, short of giving it to them because they'll always just find things that you didn't even know were possible within a minute Mm-hmm. Just you know, show it to them and tell them how great it is, and then immediately it's going to crash. <laughs> and just so, just repeat until you're out of crashes. What else? I don't know. I think I've said everything I can say about UI Page View Controller. It's just so awesome. I've been in love with this class all week. I had never used it before. It's been around two years. Give it a try if you need anything to scroll. I I think you can even scroll vertically with this thing. You just say you want the scroll style and the navigation orientation, maybe. Yeah, vertical. Yeah. I think it's cool that they have, um, because we've talked about view controller containment a couple times, and always about how it's like, it seems like it's an underused practice a lot of times, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that, like, this, this entire class is centered around view controller containment. Like, that's what it's designed for. It is designed to vend, or at least the delegate or the data source is designed to vend view controllers for another view controller to consume. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I I, I loved its flexibility. It, it just works great. Yeah, I think we had, in my last... I think we had talked about, at one point, trying to implement something like this in my last project we had a like a rewards view and you had like three elements that you wanted to cycle between and then it should i think it no yeah it was just like one directional or maybe it was even a carousel i don't i don't remember um but i was talking about implementing something like this so it's kind of awesome that i don't have to do that even carouseling here is would simple yeah completely trivial you would just pass in the view controller after view controller, you would just pass the first element back, right? So. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, I mean, this thing has no concept of page indexes. It doesn't work in that way. It's kind of, it's kind of up to you to keep track. 
yeah, you hit the last one, you just give it the first one, and you loop around, and it's super efficient about um, deallocating view controllers. You really should only have three live, yeah, view controllers at a time. It's pretty cool. One more quick aside, I just had a huge revelation about CA transition this week, because I realized that adding a CIA transition, which is a CA animation subclass, to any layer when you change a property, um, will just transition between the two. And so I've been using it for image views in this case. So in view will appear, we start downloading the image. When it's done, I set it on the image view. And at the same time, I add a CA transition to that image view and it just fades in nicely. And I realized that this should work for other views as well. So one nice piece of polish is like when you change the text in a label and you want the label to kind of like grow to the new text or like fade to it, that that should also work here. You just set a transition on that layer, set the text on the label, and it should kind of f like crossfade and grow between the two labels. Just a quick uh, tip and or trick. Wrap it up. Let's take it home. Show notes for this episode can be found at podcasts.thoughtbot.com slash build phase slash 16. And if you want to get in touch, uh, you can send us an email, buildphase at thoughtbot.com, or uh, hit us up on app.net or Twitter at buildphase. And if you like the episode, uh, we'd really appreciate a rating or review on iTunes. And this episode was recorded, edited, and produced by Mike Manor.